Fixate on Code, episode 15. Oh yes, Larry Buerta here, and you're listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. And today's featured guest is Luke Westby. Luke, are you ready to get down to business? Sure am. Luke, a serial open source contributor and partner at HumbleSpark in Chicago, has a burning passion for Elm. Luke is also the creator of Ellie, the in-browser live editor for Elm. When not speaking at conferences around the world and producing audio and video, Luke can be found discussing Elm with the ever-expanding community. Luke, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not writing code? Uh, sure. Um, so I think that that covers pretty much everything uh, on the dev side. I do also write a ton of JavaScript, uh, both front-end and back-end when I'm not doing Elm. Um, but when I'm not coding, I, I like to play a lot of music. I've been playing music for a lot longer than I've been writing software. And uh, lately I've been spending more time, more free time getting civically engaged as well. Um, going to like, uh, you know, civic, civic programming sessions and, and talks. What is a civic programming session? How would you describe it? Uh, so um, one of my more favorite, favorite things that I've seen recently is uh, a, local, um, a local clerk's office built what is essentially uh, TurboTax for running for office. So there's a lot of regulations and restrictions in the, the county that we're in, in Chicago, about what it takes to uh, you know, submit yourself to run for a local office, down to like you have to staple your, your packet on the right side or they won't take it. And so this, uh, this team you know, built, built some software that uh, will generate this huge packet for you and then give you some really specific instructions about how to submit it so that it lowers the barrier to entry, makes civic engagement more easy. Oh, okay. Awesome. So you're making con- community contributions and you're able to use your craft. That's awesome. All right, Luke. So what are you most passionate about as a developer? Uh, so the technical topic that I'm most passionate about is uh, side effects. Those are the things that will really make your programs confusing. So I spend a lot of time thinking about what the best way to represent effects in a program is so that you're not jumping through hoops trying to make all your functions pure at the expense of your code becoming more unreadable, um, but uh, just trying to do it in a way that is practical, but also allows all of your code to be testable in spite of the fact that it might at some point interact with the database. And so um, Elm is very meticulous in the way that it handles that, and that's one of the things that got me interested in it. There's also plenty of ways that you can do this in JavaScript as well that uh, have been taken from more academic settings like Haskell. Luke, tell me about the worst experience you've ever had on a project. Sure. Um, So this is a a client project. I'm not going to say which client or with which company, but um, the deadline for the for the project was extraordinarily tight. (laughs) Uh, We had maybe maybe four months, and this was a uh, you know, a huge contract, multi-million dollar contract. In four and months. In four months. It was a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of redesign. And uh, I was the person who was making most of the decisions about the, the rich parts of the application, the, the JavaScript parts. Um, and 
I was like freshly out of college. I was barely out of college for a year and uh, didn't have a lot of like practical software development experience, just a lot of theory floating around in my head. And so I, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I did a lot of things that I wouldn't do now and um, introduced a lot of tech debt into the projects and it started to sidetrack us pretty quickly. Um, eventually we did get it done, but there's, yeah, there's just a lot of uh, problems with that code that I are still there. And I still go to the website just to check it out and see if anybody's <laughs> fixed my, my bugs yet. And they're, they're all still there. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a good way that that could have been avoided was um, one of the precursors to that was uh, not a ton of interest in rich applications and rich front ends. How long ago was this? Um, this was kind of just when that sort of practice was being popularized when browsers were starting to be uh, capable of, of supporting those kind of things. Oh, okay. So basically when all the UI craziness was becoming more mainstream. Yeah, like React had just come out and um, people were just starting to talk about Webpack and uh, Angular 1 was very, very popular. Backbone was, was still pretty popular. Okay, wow. So I can't imagine what you must have been going through. You went straight from college into a multi-million dollar project and you were the decision maker. Yeah, part of the problem was um, I, I loved it. I, I, thought, uh, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was telling people you know, what I thought and <laughs> just you know, sharing my, my opinions based on really nothing. And uh, nobody, nobody really pushed back on me. So as much as uh, you know, I had this overconfidence that you find in a, a new college graduate, nobody was really asking why do you feel that way? <laughs> you obviously had a certain amount of authority in your voice when you're talking about those things. Yeah. So um, one of my takeaways from that is to just have a lot more humility and recognize that nobody knows everything and certainly everybody's opinions and uh, experience put together is, is more useful than, than one person's. Yes, we gotta we got to realize we're on a learning journey and we just sort of have to accept that we don't know everything and we have to be humble about what we do and what we don't know. Now, on a daily basis, Luke, which method, tool, or service are you using that you'd just hate to be without? Yes, well, um, I think the answer for that uh, for me is definitely Elm as a platform and as a programming language. Uh, I have a whole story that I shared at last year's ElmConf about being a JavaScript developer and trying to cobble together JavaScript frameworks and libraries and getting bogged down in open source issues and um, never actually finishing any of any of the projects that I wanted to build using these tools and then eventually discovering Elm and having it answer all of those um, you know kind of minutia and focusing on architecture in a way that all those big questions are answered for you so you can just sit down and, and solve the problems that you're interested in, um, in particular with applications. Yeah, and if we look at something like Webpack that I think has been primarily popular as a result of Facebook adopting it, it's really an amazing tool, but it introduces a whole new set of problems to your workflow. Was the transition to Elm smooth for you? Yes, Elm is a very user-centered design as a platform, as a set of tools. So the uh, the compiler, the um, the uh, the error checking, all of it, the package manager, it's all integrated when you download 
the ELM platform to your computer. So there's no configuration until you need to get really advanced. And at that time, you're probably willing to spend a few hours you know, working with settings and getting things right. So Elm's really made things a lot easier in terms of your workflow. Where do you feel there's room for things to be done in a more effective way still? Um, I think overall, everything is where I want it to be with the one exception of interacting with JavaScript from your Elm programs. This is something that Elm is, I think, better at given its own paradigms than other options. Um, Elm's very focused on type safety. So when you interact with JavaScript from your Elm program, it's in a way that is not going to cause your program to just blow up for reasons that are really unknown to you. It's going to at least give you a good error message. But that comes at the expense of ergonomics. So I think interacting with JavaScript from Elm programs needs, um, needs to be made a little bit easier and a little bit more natural. All right, Luke. So in terms of new projects, libraries, or frameworks, is there anything at the moment that you're really excited about? Um, so in the, in the uh, intro, you just mentioned uh, Ellie. So this is a project I've been working on for, for a number of months. And it's, uh, it's, I would describe it as like JS Fiddle or JS Bin, but for Elm, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. You can also uh, get access to the public Elm package repository and still get all the, the nice aspects of the Elm platform. Um, and uh, I think what I'd like it to do is, is make spreading, spreading the word about Elm and sharing ideas with the community a lot easier. Right now, if you have a sufficiently complicated idea that you want to share with people, you need to make a GitHub repository or a gist and then tell people how to download it and, and run all the installer scripts and, and, uh, and get it running. So it's, it's a huge barrier to entry for people to just see mm. what you're thinking about. So Ellie is meant to uh, do all that work behind the scenes and allow you to just provide some text that people can run. How has the community feedback been on Ellie so far? It looks like you put a ton of time into it and it's looking really great. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, community feedback's been very positive so far. There are a few features that people want, but overall, um, people have been pretty happy with it. Uh, people did want Vim mode for the, uh, for the editors, so I added that wow. recently. <laughs> I'd yeah. want that too. I put that in recently, so if you put Vim equals true into the query string, it works. Nice. Um, yeah, most, for the most part, people are pretty happy with it. And Elm's been around since about 2012, but it seems that the past couple of months, it's really picking up a lot of steam and a lot of people getting super excited about it. Now, Luke, with the pace at which new languages and libraries are coming out, how do you decide on what to learn and when to make time to learn new things? So up until probably halfway through last year, I, uh, I would read blog posts and I would go on news sites, you know, Echo.js and... Um, maybe Reddit and Hacker News to a lesser extent. Which subreddit did you follow? Uh, I would go to the React subreddit a lot. That seems to be where a lot of attention had been at the time. Um, but recently, I just don't. I don't spend any time reading blog posts. Because <laughs> uh, what, and I, I was afraid to, to try this out at first, but what has apparently happened is uh, if people are excited about something, I will be in a conversation with some programmers with the clients or I'll be at a meetup or something and people will go, hey, have you heard about this new thing? And I'll go, no. 
But now that you mention it, I know to look it up. All right. Yeah, I could see how that would be a bit worrying at first. I mean, for me, it's probably my Twitter feed and a couple newsletters, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Twitter certainly is uh, where those conversations happen as well. Yeah, people just, they'll, uh, they'll say, have you heard of this? And I'll say, well, now I have. So Luke, which specific aspects about programming have you learned that has dramatically changed the way that you think and write about code? And I'm pretty sure it's going to be something functional. Um, sort of. Uh, types have changed the way that I think about code. Uh, I, I used to really love dynamic programming and kind of being able to do whatever I want and just like put properties on things that had no business having those properties just to get the job done. So I thought that was more efficient. Um, but having to work with types and having to make types check, uh, it forces you to understand your domain before you create it. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, a different way of starting your problem. And uh, even though it's a little bit front-loaded in, in where you spend your time thinking, it makes the process of, of writing the actual logic a lot more efficient because you kind of already know where information is supposed to be and you're not mixing things up in ways that they aren't supposed to be mixed up. And then that also helps the, the next person to come along and, and look at your code. Uh, so I think maybe on that project that I mentioned, if we had used TypeScript, uh, things might have not gone off the rails so much because um, information would have been around about how the domain works for the, for the next programmer to come along and see the decisions that I had made. So it's had quite a holistic effect on the way that you approach apps. Absolutely. And with that, we've come to the end of our first segment. Luke, are you ready for a round of quickfire questions? I'm so ready. Good. Because they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Uh, not to abstract prematurely. Uh, that applies to any specific module that you're working with in your current program. It also applies to things like open source. Um, it's not a great idea to just like make an open source library for this idea that you had. It's better to have tried to solve a problem, come up with a good solution, and then clean it up and put it into a nice library for the public to use. Luke, which personal habits do you attribute to writing great code? This, this question is funny to me because it assumes that I write great code in the first place. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of an assumption there. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I learned about uh, property-based testing and uh, fuzz testing, as, as it's sometimes called, after I, I made a switch to Elm, which is um, different than unit testing. And I guess we can leave it, leave it to the listener to, to learn more about, but it, it changes the way that you think about writing code in the same way that types do even if you don't have types available to you. If you could recommend one book on writing better code, what would it be and why? Um, so I don't usually prefer books for, for learning about code. I prefer experiential learning, but um, I can recommend a book. Uh, I recommend um, Elm in Action by my friend Richard Feldman. Uh, it's still in Manning Early Access, but it's coming along wonderfully. And I recommend that you sign up for the Early Access program and, and read what's there so far. Oh, is there a release date for the book yet? Um, I'm sure there is. I just I don't know it off the top of my head. Okay, well, we'll keep our ears to the ground. Now, Luke, who in the front end world do you look up to? 
Who's doing work that's really inspiring? Uh, Jen Schiffer. Uh, she is a programmer and a speaker and an artist, and she created this website, make8bitart.com. And um, she's the, the first person I followed on Twitter, and she's the first uh, speaker who I ever saw give a programming talk. And I always recommend everybody to follow her and to, to read the things that she's written. Luke, imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever writing code. With your knowledge of the tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program again? I would do it the same way that I, I started. So I, I switched into programming in college from biochemistry, and I was halfway through the semester. So I had to begin with a more advanced C++ course. And it was like terrible, and I was struggling but that kind of like, I don't know, it just it, it kicked my butt. And uh, I learned way more than I probably would have if I kind of just eased into it. So uh, differently, though, I would probably start trying to build like useful things sooner. Um, so when I started learning programming the first time, I focused on theory. And I focused on trying to understand what inheritance and polymorphism are. And I would probably... Instead, just try to build a program that did something I needed to do and uh, see what that taught me. Because I've always found just trying to solve problems that are real is better than trying to understand problems that are kind of abstract. So let's wrap up today with a tip on how to work smart, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, My favorite thing to remind myself of is to just not overthink stuff and to just solve the thing that you're trying to solve and try not to get sidetracked into generalities that don't really matter. Just solve the problem at hand. And the best way to connect with you? I think the best way for now is Twitter. So I'm at Luke underscore dot underscore JS. To everyone out there, you've been hanging with Luke Westby and Larry Buerta. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And of course, head over to Ellie, Luke's in-browser, Elm Live Editor, and give Elm a bash. And Luke, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code today. Keep pushing the limits and keep pushing great code. 